Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. You're listening to the business community on Callan FM with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And our topical discussion this week is a subject that's been going around the houses for quite a while now and has really come to the fore with the anticipation of Brexit. And that is the skills gap. There are people who think that it's a misnomer and there's no such thing as a skills gap. But also there's lots of evidence to support that attracting and retaining people with the necessary skills to take your business forward um, is becoming a major issue for UK businesses. Uh, Tracy, what, what have you found out about this? I've got my own personal experience of it, and, and that's in um, a number of companies that I've worked for recently. Is it, It's more of an age issue. So the workforce has grown and they sort of age together. They've experienced the, the business together. And what they're finding is that they're getting into maybe the last 15, 10, 15 years of, of that um, group of employees' career without having sufficient coming up behind them to plug the gap. So it's not an immediate skills gap, but if you're looking ahead, there's a potential one coming within the next few years. I also had a look around um, at, at any recent articles, and there were a couple last week. Uh, one was on the Bloomberg website, which fell definitely into the camp of there's no such thing as a skills gap. So this was an article by Michael Strain on Bloomberg's website, and it, it's called Don't Fall for Employers Whining About a Skills Gap. And essentially he says there is no skills gap, there's no labour shortage, it's actually an issue of not paying enough money so you're not retracting the, attracting the right people. And, and there's other um, evidence to su support that in articles that I've read where, they, where they're basically saying, um, you know, if you get your recruitment policy right, there is no skills gap. But I'm, I'm unsure. I mean, I'm looking at it from an age point of view with my um, current experience but also maybe with a gender point of view so there was an article out last week from the institute of physics and they were talking about the fact that the gender gap in physics starts in the classroom and so there there is an upcoming um a science skills gap that's is very well known and they're saying that actually if girls aren't encouraged to study science you're creating the skills gap of the future and and the numbers that they they presented in this research basically shows that girls aren't choosing to study and and they're looking particularly at physics but I'm, I'm guessing that girls aren't choosing to study science so they're saying it needs to go right back to the beginning and to look at that because essentially if you're not encouraging girls to study science then you're reducing your selection um, by a half when you come to recruit later on. So are they suggesting that that's something that lies at the door of schools and educational establishments to to make it make it more appealing and yeah, what I, role does business have to play in that I yeah i think they're looking at a more of a society based mm. approach to it so employers as well as schools but they're, they're looking at plugging that gap they're predicting that 
um, closing the gender gap will take way longer than one generation. For example, they looked at nursing and the prediction is 320 years to plug the skills gap for nursing, 280 years for computer science, 258 years for physics and 60 years for mathematics. That, those are scary numbers. So we're, we're talking about serious society um, rethinking yeah. of, of the whole uh, Aspira- I suppose it's what you make aspirational and, and what you encourage people to study. Ultimately, you want people to study what they enjoy. But there's a lot of subtleties that can go into the way that you speak to children in school, uh, which will help them to choose one path or another. Do you think that, you know, it's a bit of a sweeping generalisation, but, you know, there's been this uh, this amazing uh, list of new degrees that have been, you know, like media studies and things like that, which young people are attracted to because they're, you know, they're quite funky, they're quite sexy. You think, you know, you're going to meet amazing people. And 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 that in itself, it, they've done a really good job of... of um, universities and and the the business sector have done a really good job of attracting people to that but we need something a bit a bit similar to pull people in a different direction yeah there are a lot of projects ongoing to to recruit people into sciences but I, I think it, it it needs a joined-up approach. Mm. I, I don't believe that it's one particular area that would need to change this. If I think back to when I, st- I did physics uh, at O-level, loved it, absolutely loved it. I did physics at A-level and the teacher was just, really dismissive of the two girls that were in the class it was it was very very difficult I ended up dropping physics because I just thought there's something I'm going to enjoy a lot more than that that was a long time ago so I'm hoping things yeah but if we're talking about 320 years to plug the skills gap then you know (laughs) it's not that long ago no it's not that long ago that (laughs) void is still there I think one thing that I think is really important and we touched on this a little bit is that employers have a responsibility to attract staff we we don't have relative unemployment is relatively low and so most people are gainfully employed and that's certainly going to be true of people with these skills that are in such short supply so it's no good thinking that people you know do you want a job it it kind of almost needs to be the other way around do you want to come and work for us? Because we've got something special to offer. And it doesn't necessarily have to be pay. It could be working conditions. It can be development. It can be something that makes an individual think that if they spend some time working within an organisation, they can hone their skills and, and develop their skills because people don't work in companies for 30 years anymore. It's inevitable that they're going to move on. But you get the best of that person for the time that they're within your business. So you've got to sell your business to your staff. It's not it's not a case of I'm going to give you a job and you should be grateful. And, and it's not just science that's uh, lacking. So um, we I put, um, as usual, put out some um, questions on social media about this week's show. And on LinkedIn, Rich Brady um, responded to say he's lacking uh, leaders and decision makers. So and, and that's something that isn't actually taught in schools necessarily mm. not not as a um, not as a GCSE anyway no. it may be part of the the curriculum in other areas 
But what he's saying is he, it's not that he doesn't have a capable team, but they're lacking confidence to make the decisions and they're looking to him for reassurance. And he has to fight against his own urges to step in and help them to make those decisions. One of the ways he's trying to tackle it is he's coming up with a clear set of values, what he calls our truths. And that gives everybody a checklist to make their decisions by. But he he's very... Um, he's noticing very much that that is a particular skill set that he's needing in his business that's that's lacking so again I don't think there's a a quick fix for that one but uh, it's uh, interesting and thank you for the contribution Rich. Yeah and it is really interesting and particularly given what I do for a living but what if if I were to get on my soapbox those are the types of skills that are called soft skills and they are not soft skills they are key skills because leadership and decision making is always going to be and and, you know having the confidence in your knowledge and your ability those are really important parts of a business because more time that is wasted in people feeling inadequate and unable to move forward that's wasted resource so uh yeah that's soft skills yeah it's a bit dismissive yes it's like yeah it's a bit like you know you don't really need it well you do so it also led me on to a, a new phrase that I had not thought about before, and that's uh, structural unemployment. And an article that I read said that this is the mismatch between the jobs available and the skill levels of the unemployed. And th- this is quite interesting because I think with the rate of change of technology and the rate of change of society and, and, and the way that the world works, that this is going to become quite a big thing. And According to this article, there were two causes of structural unemployment. And one is technological advances in industry. So new computers come along and and the people who are there to fill the gaps actually don't have those skills, for example. And the other one is uh, trade agreements. Now, the article I read was an American article. So it was talking about the North American Free Trade Agreement, which which restricted... uh, workers from Mexico but we're going to have a similar thing with Brexit where we're restricting um, people coming in and and bringing the skill set that we need into the UK so structural unemployment is a new one on me very interesting it is too Mm, that's probably one to be watching you're listening to the business community on Callan FM. Now we're going to talk through some events that are going on in and around Wrexham and in the business community around the UK. So this first one is very specifically to do with skills. It's actually uh, what used to be known as the Skills Show and is now called World Skills UK Live. It's at the NEC and it's a bit of forward planning, but I've attended this show for three years and I can highly recommend it and it's worth considering whether you're a parent or whether you're an educational establishment or an employer getting along to see what's on offer at the World Skills UK live show. I think the skills show was so much easier to yes. say. It's on the 15th to the 17th of November. And as I say, it's it's pretty much the whole of the NEC divided into five areas. So take some comfy shoes and plan which areas you want to go into, the ones that particularly interest you. Um, There's construction and logistics in one area, engineering in another area, health and hospitality in another, digital and business in another, creative and design in another. And what you find there is a real good mixture. So there's employers showcasing what they've got to offer 
attracting and recruiting their young new recruits. There's have-a-go areas, so you can have a go at TV production, a simulation of demolition, virtual welding, floristry, 3D modelling. You can build bridges out of spaghetti and marshmallows. I think that's one of the ones I did last time. I did have a go at virtual welding. Also had a go at driving a Formula One car, virtual simulation of one there's careers advice there so professional careers advisors throughout the whole event uh, you can meet employers and what i found very useful was not just meeting the employers but you get to talk to the employees so you're getting to speak to the people who are working there probably done a, an apprenticeship or a higher apprenticeship and you get to hear them talk about the business and I was so blown away with the quality of some of the young people that I spoke to the last time I went that they spoke really eloquently and really passionately about the companies that they're working for that I thought it was a brilliant advert for those companies and I would highly recommend people consider going to them for their training uh, there's demonstrations and there are competitions as well. So there's there's competitions in all of the different areas. So whether it's a hairdressing competition or bricklaying or a jewellery making, all sorts of competitions going on. And it's, it is an f- absolutely full-on day. If you wanted to get to all five sections, that you've got no chance. You really need to plan the area that you're going to. You can go to the website now and you can register your interest and they will email you when the tickets are available. And they do tend to be limited and they do also, um, in previous years anyway, have had time slots for when you can go in just to try and manage the flow of people. The website is worldskillsuk.org. And apparently there's 73,000 young people go through the door, which is an amazing figure. And it brings together the businesses, it brings education. So there's a lot of colleges and universities and go and advertise um, what they're doing there. And you, again, you can get a good feel for how well organised they are, what sort of demonstrations or, or, or things that they're putting on. And it's a real great one if you're a parent. So you can take your children along there if they're not quite sure what they might want to do. They can try out a number of different things and I took my daughter along and there was just so many different things that she would never even have considered. You know, oh, that's sparks, a job, that you thinking, can do that. Yeah. That's really interesting. And some things she perhaps wouldn't consider. So one of the things that we had a good laugh about and we really enjoyed was there was a bed making um, challenge for Premier Inn. Okay. How quickly, and there was a competition as who could make the bed more quickly. And then the, the winner got to jump on the bed and have a good bounce on the bed. <laughs> She probably wouldn't be considering that for a career, but you know, in, in the hospitality sector, that there's lots of different careers that you can consider. So I think it's amazing. If you're a, um, an employer, then you could show your commitment to apprenticeships and vocational skills. You can reach those tens of thousands of young people. Uh, it's a good way to advertise and just raise the profile of your organisation, as well as networking with the sponsors. Um, apparently over 200 partners and sponsors at the event. So that is World Skills UK Live, and that's at the NEC, 15th to the 17th of November. Heather. Sounds like one that needs planning, so, um, so thanks for flagging that up. Okay, I've got um, a skills-based event. It's taking place tomorrow... 
tomorrow, Friday, um, and I apologise for the short notice, but um, it's in conjunction with the March's Local Enterprise Partnership and Shropshire Business Board. It is for Shropshire businesses. It's a skills round table, and that's where businesses can come together and talk about skills gaps, the skills agenda and what's needed, uh, and and to look at their needs and requirements. So it's about gathering information for the March's LEP so that they can then think about how they invest and support. Uh, that is, as I say, it's tomorrow, it's in Bridge North, and it's from 7.45am to 1030 uh, then moving on to June, after the good old GDPR deadline, and we've been swamped with uh, various events about how to comply and what needs to happen, but this is about what happens afterwards. So this is taking place on the 15th of June. It's at College Cambria, and it's looking at, beyond the restrictions of GDPR, how to protect and boost your business without worry. So it's how you can then start to work within the parameters of GDPR. I think it looks really interesting. Um, it's one I might just have a look to see if I can attend because I think that there's something in that for everybody. And finally, if you're thinking of perhaps leaving your business, moving on, selling your business. This is June the 12th in Manchester. HSBC are running a morning event from 8.30 till 10.30 alternative exit options thinking about if you've been trying to sell your business or you uh, if you've been trying to sell it or you're thinking about trying to sell it uh, there will be advisors from uh, KJG who uh, specialize in fundraising and management buyouts acquisitions and disposals etc there will be uh, an area director from HSBC and a specialist tax partner Details of all of these events will be on our website, thebusiness.community. Uh, and of course, you can find them. Uh, most of these are on Eventbrite as well. Now, a few weeks ago, we had Kath Harrison in um, talking about a business breakfast seminar that her company, JVP, were um, co-hosting. And I went to it. So last week, I got myself up nice and early and went out for a business breakfast at um, the uh, premises of the Alternative Board, uh, which is... Um, around the back of the Ramada Plaza, Ellisway, that sort of way. And, and I, w I was pleasantly surprised with the facilities, by the way. I think we'll get David Roberts in uh, to talk about uh, the f actual facility um, when we can in the next few weeks. But I just wanted to give a, a, a quick... Um, very quick summary of what they talked about. It was the future of HR and the future of recruitment and employee engagement. Now, a couple of things that I picked out that I thought were really quite interesting. So in the future of recruitment, one of the things they highlighted was Google for jobs. Now, it's not actually... Um, a website that lists them but it acts like a portal and it gathers them all together it's live in america at the moment and no doubt it will be coming to the uk sometime soon so we saw some screenshots of, of it live in america i think that's one to watch out for if you're recruiting um, i particularly need you to pay attention to your own uh, website so if you've got a careers page on there making it um, searchable by google and also the the other portals that you use are, are going to have to feed into Google Jobs somehow because we know how ubiquitous Google is mm. with everything. And the other um, development was videos for recruitment. Now, this one really caught my attention. Um, 
and uh, no less because they played two videos uh, for companies that were recruiting. And one was SodaStream, and their video is on YouTube, and it's called Join the Revolution. And it, it's just a humorous but sort of um, engaging advert for people who might want to go to work there. You know, So it was u- using humour very strongly. But if you're that sort of person and you're, you're that way inclined, then you, you might be drawn in so they're looking to recruit at the highest levels so they've put together a really rather good video so take a look at that if you see it that soda streams join the revolution and there was a similar one slightly shorter not quite as quirky by a uk company called safety media and i think if that's what you're going to have to do in the future to attract millennials make a short video then you better start thinking about it now And then the other thing was that um, Justine Watkinson for Helia McCune, she was talking about the future of HR and she identified five things that we need to be aware of. The first one being globalisation. It, you know, where are we? We're not considering what's happening around the world and... um, particularly with um, with Brexit, what other trade deals are going to be happening? Globalisation is going to be pushed to the forefront. Well-being, so... um, mental and physical well-being, millennials, technology and talent. Probably no surprises there for anybody. I just wanted to focus in on millennials because it sort of fits in with the skills gap idea and it it highlights the fact that in order to recruit and to retain millennials, you really need to be aware of what it is they're looking for in a job and in a career. And and Justine highlighted a, a number of things. Regular and immediate feedback is important. Development opportunities for their skill base. Strong company values. Benefits that are accustomed to their own requirements. A good work-life balance. And a clear career path salary was way down the list with millennials so i think the challenge for businesses is recruiting and retaining so that you don't get the skills Mm. gap that we've been talking about in the show Mm. yeah interesting very interesting uh so it was it was it was a good event it sounded like it was going to be yeah i enjoyed Uh, it very much yeah cool all right i was having a little look at something uh that you'll have heard us mention in the past blinkist which is a um an app that will give you uh, a pricey of a book and you know you can kind of speed read and then just see if it's a book that you actually want to buy uh, well i can go one better than that go on then the, I, I will i will there is a website called four minute books four minute books.com and it's a young guy whose name is nicholas uh, goika i think And he says, I believe that everyone should be able to learn from the world's best books for free. I'm sure the authors are thrilled, but there is a very comprehensive list of books that he has read and then praised so that you can get a sense of the book in four minutes. Wow. Does he do that as a job? No, I think he does does it. He's a student. um, uh, and in the, he says, during daylight hours, I'm a writer and college student, but in the wee hours of the day, I'm a book devouring, information compressing, knowledge sucking machine. So you can get smarter <laughs> in four minutes or less. And, um, and and I think it was Blinkist that kind of inspired him. Anyway, I went through the list and there there, there are books on every subject you could possibly imagine. So how long did you spend? How many portions of four minutes? Oh, well, I've, well, I've printed off three that I had a look at. 
Um, but you could lose a lot of your life there. <laughs> and and I did the whole print it out thing just because that's the way that I like to to read stuff. So I'm probably flying in the face of some of its purpose anyway. But essentially what he does is he takes a quote from each book. So he, he starts off with a one-sentence summary. So one of the books that I looked at is um, the book that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, the Daniel Pink book, which is To Sell is Human. So he gives a one-sentence summary. To Sell is Human shows you that selling is part of your life, no matter what you do, and what a successful salesperson looks like in the 21st century, with practical ideas to help you convince others in a more honest, natural, and sustainable way. He gives you a quote, and then he talks a little bit about Daniel Pink, and then he praises the lessons that Daniel gives and the rationale that Daniel gives within the book. Uh, he gives his personal takeaways. Uh, he says, you know, what additional stuff. And then he um, he says, what would I recommend the To Sell is Human summary to? And sorry, who? And he says, the 20-year-old research assistant in her junior year in college who thinks selling isn't really that important for what she does. The 54-year-old car dealer of the old school who's seen declining sales over the past five years. And anyone who often tells people that they're wrong. So he, he, he really gives some context. It's fantastic. He, I've got a year with Peter Drucker. Um, I've got a people over profit summary. They're, they're all there. They're all there. It's 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 a so phenomenal resource. No, no way you're going to get your material for reviews uh, in the absolutely, weeks. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's great. And as I say, so many different um, uh, subject areas: uh, psychology, business, food and drink. You name it. I mean, where he finds the time to do all of this, I really don't know. But thank you very much. For doing it, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. And what? Well, one of the books is how to speed read. So maybe he started off with that one, but but <laughs> well speed worth right as well. Yeah, then, yeah, well worth looking at. Fourminutebooks.com. Okay, and I'm going to give a mention to a website that I've used recently, and I use the free version of Indeed website, the recruitment website, and um, I had two positions available, and I got 221 applications for it, and um, that was. Um, quite straightforward to manage. Uh, I was able to send messages to the applicants through the app, so I didn't need their email address. Um, I, we just went straight through the, through the app. I was able to organise interviews through the app. And it was a very, very good, very competent website. And I w wanted to mention it because it was absolutely free. Now, they do have paid versions as well, so I don't want to do them down. But the version I used got me the results I was after and I could say it was free so it's worth knowing about absolutely That's amazing yeah that is amazing and the can the quality of the candidates was obviously good because you you said you took some through to interview so it's all yeah out very absolutely well. absolutely good so um if you are looking to recruit and your usual method has been using the newspapers maybe you want to consider using some of the apps um also we better give a mention out to to jvp group who actually do the um the recruitment um, services for you as well since so i mentioned their business breakfast so the other apps and other providers are available of course this week's guru or interesting business person is a young man who uh, you may have come across just because I think he was 
he was titled Young Entrepreneur of Wales or something, but he is the founder of Nom Nom Chocolate. And I, I can't imagine that you won't have seen these bars of chocolate that are in brown paper with quite interesting and unusual flavours sort of stamped on them. Um, his name is Liam Burgess. He lives in South Wales, grew up next to the Bourneville factory, uh, so grew up with the smell of chocolate, and set up with a £3,000 loan from the Princess, Prince's Trust, a chocolate company that now sells, I think it's about half a million, turns over half a million pounds a year. Uh, a really interesting character, uh, quite normal, quite normal, not affected in any way, shape or form. Uh, and he, I watched a talk that he gave and he basically left school with no qualifications at all uh, and was talking to a group of young potential entrepreneurs uh, and basically was, was saying to them, look, in fact, he started his talk with, uh, I thought it would, instead of telling you everything we'd done, I thought I would start to talk to you about how rubbish I am. And that proves the fact that you don't have to go to university to do something amazing. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he, 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 was, he was really interesting. What did you find out about him, Tracy? Well, um, for a start, he doesn't really use LinkedIn. <laughs> so no, he's got three connections. Three connections on LinkedIn. And no so, information. Uh, and then, uh, so I, I had to look at different articles uh, around the place. So uh, the first one I came across was on the Helen Mon website. And uh, they, they talked about the fact that um, they, they first heard about his products when he sent them a letter saying that he used Helen Mon in his products and his chocolate. And apparently they still have the scrumpled piece of paper it was written on. <laughs> And then um, also Wales Online, um, there's an article from 2016 where um, they were saying that Wales is Willy Wonka. Mm -hmm. so that scans so well, doesn't it? Wales is Willy Wonka. Flies his staff to Madagascar to learn about chocolate making. And uh, at, he, it was the company's third birthday. And he was very much mindful of the fact that 90% of all businesses fail within the first three years. And it was his third birthday, a bit of a treat, but also an educational mm. trip. Go and see, you know, where chocolate grows. You're going to real, really feel connected to your product. And then the other thing I, I picked up on was a really, really good article on the NUS website, the the students, the National Union of Students website, are talking about how he actually got kicked out of school and he went to work in a restaurant kitchen and he, he didn't seem to think that um, education fits very well with entrepreneurial thinking, which is it's a, another topic for discussion mm. another time. Um, and so he, he went on to work in kitchens and he was just inspired by the makers and the producers in West Wales. And he, he approached... Um, the Prince's Trust, and, and he was he explains in this article how the, the packaging came about. He was preparing to do his presentation for the Prince's Trust and needed to mock up some a, a chocolate bar to show them. And so he, he grabbed some brown, him and his mum grabbed some brown paper and a bit of kitchen foil and a stamp to stamp on the letters. And it pretty much does look mm. like that, doesn't mm. it? A bit of kitchen foil, um, brown paper and a stamp. One of the things that I really liked when, when I read into this particularly this NUS article is stating that business is a huge tool for social change and something we've been talking about recently he says that um, there's been a team of six all under the age of 20 
at his site in West Wales. And he says too often that people with talent move away from the area to go to London or to Cardiff. And so for him, it's really important to build a company that's giving people a reason to stay in the area. And I thought that was that was a, a really po a big positive for me. And he he's a big advocate for the Prince's Trust. His tip for setting up in business is to talk to the Prince's Trust. And who am I to argue? I think that, you know, the support that you get and uh, no doubt he would say that the support he got from the Prince's Trust is one of the reasons he was able to take his staff to Madagascar He's, after three years. Yeah, he said that the three thousand it it wasn't just a three thousand pound loan. They told him everything about setting up a business, and that trip to Madagascar. His team is now a team of eleven, and they went to Madagascar. He says that there are three chocolate um, uh, producers in in the in the world. So they go to Madagascar. They get the coffee. They get the chocolate, and they um, work with it. And then they take it out of, of the country. And he pays more, but he has it, the, the money that he spends on the processing of the chocolate stays within the community where the chocolate has been grown. And he thinks that we should be giving the cocoa bean back to the people of Madagascar uh, because, you know, that's that's what they do. So we talked about corporate social responsibility last week. Yeah, he's got all the boxes ticked, this guy. And and it's not just lip service, it's at, you know, it's absolute proof. He said, Yeah, I could make more money, but it wouldn't be the right thing to do. So we always finish a show with a quote from our business leader, guru, whatever we want to call them. A quote from Liam Burgess from Nom Nom Chocolate. Heather, what have you got? The quote I have is the title of the talk that he gave at the Do Lectures. And he says don't set yourself boundaries you can't break down. I think that's sound advice. Very wise. And my quote is, if you're making a good product, you're passionate and authentic, things start to happen. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. Oh,